1: It's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer. During the initial stages of the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, two years later, I'm not only healthy, but I've been declared in remission. But I'm still continuing this podcast, during which I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. And now I'm also calling some new people to make some new friends. Oh and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the life of Fitz podcast. I started this podcast back in 2000 to fill time, to reconnect. Even though I was locked down during the pandemic, I call people up and talk to them. And I just started recording the phone calls and boom, a podcast was born. But it's kind of evolved from a podcast in which I call people I've known for a long time to now I just call some people I've never met. But Brian Cavanaugh was a quarterback in my very early days of covering Kansas State full-time. And it's funny how life works. We really haven't spoken through the years, even though he now lives and has been in my hometown of Salina, Kansas for many years. This phone call I'm about to make is the first time we've had a meaningful conversation since I interviewed him as a player in 1995 and 96 absolutely incredible it's one of the things i love about the life of fits podcast and about a guy that many of us didn't think would be a great quarterback and turned out to be pretty damn good in fact he was so good in coming in in relief of matt miller at the 1995 holiday bowl when matt got knocked silly and taken to the hospital brian cavanaugh is now in the holiday bowl hall of fame something i'm going to ask him about Really cool, and it's great to catch up to him right now for many reasons because of Matt. We talk about Matt all the time on this podcast, but also his youngest child, his fourth child, Parker Cavanaugh, is now a walk-on quarterback at Kansas State. It's come full circle for Brian Cavanaugh. So now let's call the former quarterback, number 12, forever and ever in my memory, Brian Cavanaugh in Salina, Kansas. Hello. Mr. Kavanaugh, how are you doing?
0: <laughs> What's going on, Fitzie? How are you? I'm
1: great, man. I am great. It's fun covering K-State football. It's fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it's it been a long time since I've seen a recruiting class kind of come together like this one is. So it's it's awfully fun to uh, see Coach Kleiman have these breakthroughs. <laughs>
0: Oh no, kidding! I mean, dominoes are starting to fall, and this, you know, and and the crop of kids in the state of Kansas this year. There's always been kids in the state of Kansas, but just the sheer number of them this year is, uh, you know, it, it's a little abnormal, right? And yeah. and the success they're having with them, it's it's been great to see for sure.
1: Okay, I want to get back to that, but first of all, let's let everyone know um, how life has progressed for. Brian Kavanaugh from 1996, which was sometime around the Pioneers, I think. Um, yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? <laughs> I was looking at that. I'm like, how, how did Kavanaugh – he's pushing 50 now. What the hell is oh. on?
0: I know. I know. I, uh, yeah, I, I just had another birthday. It wasn't that, that big one with the round number on the mm-hmm. end, but I'm, I'm on, you know, really uncomfortably close at this point.
1: I would, I would like <laughs> you to know that technically when you turn 49, you're in your 50th year. So <laughs> <laughs> it's closer than you probably thought.
0: Well, you know, you just took the pressure off. Thanks, I'm already there. Then, yeah, so just turned forty nine. Um, yeah, no, li- life is good. Uh, we live in we live in Salina, in Salina, Kansas. We've been here, oh gosh, for. About 20 years now, um, we uh, we are officially empty nesters right now, so we're nice. entering a a new stage. But um, you know, my wife Jessica and I have uh, have four kids, and uh, and the youngest just graduated high school, so. Yeah, the four kids are kind of, they're scattering now. We'll have four in college or school of some sort next year. So um, we kind of look at each other like, oh my gosh, what have we done? We could have spaced this out a little bit better, but but it's good. It's, they're all in a great spot, so life is great.
1: So your youngest, Parker, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, Parker's the youngest. Walking
1: on at K-State? He is, yes. Interesting. And your daughter's starting medical school. Did I see that right?
0: Yeah, yeah so uh so you're, yeah, you're so breeding well,
1: football run- players and doctors is that how this family works
0: yeah yeah apparently the football they got from me and the uh the, the brains part they got from mom <laughs> So, <laughs> that, that's probably how that goes in our house but yeah no the kids are doing great i mean the oldest joshua he's off in memphis and his uh second he's just finishing his second year of optometry school Unbelievable. so he'll be in memphis for a couple more years um he was a k-state graduate our daughter, Peyton, just graduated this spring from K-State. Yeah, she starts starts KU Med here in a few weeks. So, um, you know, it was a ton of work. We're, we're super proud of Peyton, and she's just, she's something else. She's going to do great, do great in Kansas City. Uh, Jackson, our Third kid, second boy is, uh, I don't even know what year Jackson is technically with all this COVID stuff mm-hmm. and everything, but he's studying uh business and playing football at Washburn Nice. and then Parker, Parker, like you said, Parker is in Manhattan as we speak, having the, having the time of his life. So he's already into the workouts and taking a class and he's off and running
1: and you're in medical sales, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an account specialist for, uh, for GSK and, uh, Sell sell specialty drugs at this point. So drive around quite a bit and, and yeah. chase down docs, and that that's kind of what what I've been doing.
1: How how cool was it to to take your youngest son up to become a K State football player? I, I know your 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 second oldest son is a football player, but this is your yeah. school. It's got to be a whole new layer there.
0: Yeah. You know, is it, it's been a little surreal, you know, and I, um, when they first started reaching out to Parker, I mean, obviously, I mean, I encouraged it and, and, and the kids have been around it enough. They bleed purple, just like I do. And, you know, kind of deep down, I knew if, if they came knocking and offered him in any way, shape or form, it's done. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I kind of just let it play out and I tried to stay 100% out of it and I mean at the end of the day if it was something that became an opportunity I wanted, you know, he needed to know it was because they truly wanted him, the player and not because of, you know, me getting in the mix in any way shape or form. Um so we just kind of, you know, I just sat back and Um, and kind of watched it unfold and he had some contact with him through the fall and everything. And, um, you know, and Parker, Parker got considerably better over his high school career and uh, you know, and then um, the contact kind of picked up and and coach Klein reached out um, kind of after the season. And then Parker found out that, uh, you know, he had the opportunity to walk on and, and once it was officially an option, I kind of had a feeling it was a done deal no, no matter what else he had on the table. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's been super fun. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool just as a parent to see your kids, you know, whether it's optometry school, business school, med school, you know, Parker getting a chance at K-State, you know, just to see him work towards something and see all that hard work pay off and, and see him get a, a chance at the things that they've been dreaming of. So, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was pretty cool. He sent a, uh, he sent a, a pick of the locker and, and his jersey with, with the name on it. You know, and, and he, he got number twelve, which was, you know, kind of near and dear to, nice. to my heart also. So yeah, it's it's been cool to see for sure.
1: Well let's go into the way back machine real quick. Early nineties, yeah. you're coming out of Naperville, correct? Yeah. I guess that's right. I actually remembered that. I did not look at yeah, Naperville. Absolutely. Um, and uh, what made you pick Kansas State?
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny. The um you know, and it's it was kind of a series of uh, crazy, unfortunate events. But, you know, things just have a way of working out the way they're supposed to. Um, you know, going through, going into my senior year, I was really, it, it looked like I was going to stay closer to home. Um, you know, there was some of the Big Ten schools like Louisville and just some different places I was hearing from. I hadn't heard from Kansas State at all. Um And then going into the first week of my first game, my senior year, I I twist an ankle pretty bad in practice, Um, just kind of gets caught in the turf and pop, pop. So I I limped through the first game. We were up big, um, so I only played a quarter. By week two, um, the ankle was feeling better and uh you know it was kind of funny that they they had to tape it for me to be able to play in any way shape or form but my ankle starts breaking out in this rash but no ankle or no tape no play so i'm like mm-hmm. heck with it just put the tape on let's go um by week 2 i played the whole game ankle was feeling pretty good but the rash is getting worse um That next Monday, I'm in school, and there was just like an ace bandage or something on the ankle, and a teacher looks at me and is like, Brian, you need to go to the trainer. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, Did I get a pass or something? And she points at my foot, and this ace bandage just soaking wet, um, which is a little abnormal. So I go down there, and uh, they take the bandage off, and my foot is the size of a softball and it's purple and it doesn't look very good um so by the end of that evening i'm in the hospital and uh long story short i'm in the hospital for eight days this staph infection ended up turning into toxic shock and i lose like 30 pounds in eight days was sick as a dog um miss three football games through the process of being in the hospital and getting back out. And a lot of the schools that were talking to me at the time just kind of disappeared. Um, it, it just fell off. And uh, so I finished the scene, my senior year and I, I don't think I'd even heard anything from K state until like December. Um, it was kind of funny. The first letter I got the uh, <laughs> at the time it had the big eight logo on there. Mm-hmm. I was like, K-State, big eight. And I could only come up with seven other schools. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess they're the eighth one. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) I just, I, you know, just being for a Chicago kid, I, you know, I had heard a bunch from, you know, at that time, Missouri, Iowa state, even Kansas, but I had not heard anything from Kansas state, but, but that's kind of how it all started. And then, um, you know, so a lot of the schools originally talking to me had fallen off K-State came in late, um, and ended up taking a visit and, you know, and just kind of fell in love with Manhattan and, you know, and coach Snyder's vision of, you know, just how things had been and what the plan was and sure you can go someplace else or you can come be a part of, you know, what he was already calling the biggest turnaround in the history of college sports. Um, And it, and it just appealed to me. So, you know, that was, uh, that was the direction I ended up going. So you registered in 92 um so it's kind of funny too so on the visit they were they were out of scholarships at the time um so and it didn't even have a term at the time um but you know what what coach said he wanted to do is bring me as a part-time student yeah so bring me as a part-time student that fall i would go on scholarship in the spring um, so that second fall, so this would have been the fall of '92. Would have been my first, like you know, first of five years. So I get back to school, back to my, back to Naperville after the visit, and um, and my high school coach grabs me and you know he's asking about the visit and everything, and I go, well, here's what they're talking about doing, and you can just see this concerned look <laughs> over his face, and he goes, you come with me, and he sits me down in his office, and he picks up the phone, and he literally calls the NCAA. And he's like, This is what the school wants to do with my kid. Is this is this a thing? Um, you know, and now there's a term for it, it's a gray shirt. So um You were one it, of the first. I had forgotten yeah, that. I you know, I might have been the first. I think I was the first at K State yeah. for sure. Um so you so graduated yeah, high
1: school in ninety one.
0: I graduated in ninety one, yep so that fall of 91 i couldn't practice i was on campus but i was only a part time student so my eligibility clock wasn't ticking yet and then i went on scholarship that spring so 90 the fall of 92 actually ended up being my redshirt year so essentially I, it bought me an extra season
1: that's crazy. I, I'd totally forgotten that you were the, the
0: no. initial gray shirt because
1: we didn't know what it was. I remember, no.
0: and I've no. spent the
1: last uh, 30 years of my career explaining what a gray shirt is to people because people still don't get it. You just delay your eligibility for one semester. I always tell people that you have five spring footballs in your eligibility. Unfortunately, typically the fifth one falls after you're playing season their last playing season and and by gray shirting you front load that extra mm-hmm. And so you pick up yeah. an extra spring football as a, as a full-time student, and then you get another red shirt year. This is how Marcus Watts ended up being a 40 year old safety in the big 12.
0: Same <laughs> exactly. Thing. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. Cause I think, you know, along the way there was times where, you know, even like, you know, I would hear from some of the coaches and they're like, Hey, you know, there's a family that has some questions, would you be willing to talk to them? I'm like, yeah, sure. Of course. Um, you know, just because it, it was, it was a little different approach, but, you know, for me, I mean, it, it ended up being an amazing thing because, you know, my last year as a starter was essentially the year I picked up by doing this. So,
1: yeah, it's really cool. And, and what a time to be part of the K-State football program. I oh my gosh. I always tell people, you know, how many fan bases or players get to look back and realize I was part of the genesis of when Bear Bryant was on campus, when you just name it, you know, when it all changed for a football program, that's what the early nineties were for Kansas state football and Bill Snyder. You, you, your are playing years were 93, 94, 95, 96, four straight bowls uh, after never winning a bowl for Kansas state in the one time they went. It's incredible, Brian. It's absolutely amazing time to have played.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think going through it, you can't really appreciate it as as much as you can now being removed from it all these years, um, you know, and I think it took some time too, cause not growing up in Kansas, um, you know, I didn't truly understand what, what the history was like, um, you know, just historically the, 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 what, what football was like at K state, you know, and it was so funny, like through that stretch, you know, 93, we knock off OU, you know, and there's, or, you know, it was like every time we won a conference game there for a while, it's like some 30 year streak was getting snapped. Um, it was just the craziest thing. But, you know, now to look back and, you know, get a chance to go to the first four bowls, and it progressively kept getting better too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, by. You know, in, we win the Copper Bowl in '93. You know, go to another bowl in '94, '95. We win the Holiday Bowl. Um, you know, and have arguably up to that point at least the best season in in school history. And then and then the chance to uh, you know have another successful season my senior year and get to play in the first New Year's Day Bowl in in program history. You know, and then you look at what happened after those years afterwards, and it just it kept going until it kind of hit that first peak in 98 where, I mean, look how good that team was, right. you know, it's just, Oh my gosh. And, and you're right, though, to be, to be there at that, through those years. And, and it was so cool as a, you know, an old player, a couple of years removed um, to watch that 98 team, for example, and just be like, wow, you know, like, look how far this thing has come in, an, in a pretty dang short amount of time.
1: I of course was sports editor at the Salina Journal, and I eventually evolved into what I do now. But it, that didn't start till '95. I mean, I came on full time covering K State in '95, so that Matt Miller season, the Holiday Bowl season, yeah, is so formative to how I think of. Bill Snyder football, and I remember sitting in the press box at Cincinnati as you guys were getting beat um, and playing dreadful and Matt completes that last second pass to Kevin Lockett, and I'm like, okay, I didn't make a bad decision with my career. I'm okay. I'm okay. I was just freaking out during that game like, what have I done to myself?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a crazy night too, Um, but but what a finish. I mean, you know, and Gosh, if I remember that night too. I mean, Matt. A couple of things. It wasn't Matt's greatest night overall, and he took an absolute beating that night, and and he was pretty dinged. But you know, I mean, when it mattered, he, uh, you know, he, he pulls it off in that in that last throw to lock. You know, that little the throwback in the post corner. I mean, it's it, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was fun. Finish.
1: That was Bill Snyder's play of gold. I mean, he essentially ran yeah. it. The, the first win over North Texas was essentially the same type of play to the other side of the field to win the game.
0: I mean, he just, yeah, well, a yeah, little out route to yeah, but, was Frank. What, Frank caught yep, that ball. Frank caught that ball,
1: yeah. Every time I'd see him in a situation line up three wide and and then one wide to the other side, I'm going, oh, he's running it again. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate
0: to be that weak corner. Here it comes. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking at the other side of the field thinking the ball's going over there for a jump ball. And next thing I know, oh no, where'd my guy go?
0: Oh uh, my gosh. Was, uh,
1: that was a that was an amazing season, of course, culminating with the holiday bowl. Um, and what happened there, Matt gets knocked out. Um, uh, just horrible ending to his career. But you yeah. come on, and I remember sitting in the press box, like, okay, this is going to get interesting. I don't know what Kavanaugh can do, and brother,
0: you absolutely <laughs> lit up San Diego. Oh my gosh, no, it, yeah, it was obviously it, it was a fun night, you know. And I think leading up to that, though, the good, you know, just looking back on that season and everything that led up to that night, um, you know, th- the positive for me throughout was I had a chance to be on the field quite a bit earlier in that season. So it's not like that was the first time I, you know, was trotted out in in a game or anything like that. So, you know, and it was a bunch of things, you know, some of it was, I mean, we, we were pretty darn good and there was some leads, um, you know, decent leads where I got a, got a chance to finish games that way. And, and Matt, Matt had a tendency to take some shots. <laughs> yeah. He did. <laughs> So poor poor boy took a beating at times and uh, you know, there there'd be some quick spells of a series or two that get him back on his feet. But um, you know, there there was enough there that, you know, I remember, you know, obviously seeing Matt take the hit was awful, you know, and then seeing him be down on the you know, any time somebody's down and the stretcher comes out. Um, you know, as a team seeing seeing your guy down there, it's it's horrible and you're you're more concerned for them than anything. And I just I remember warming up forever. Um, you know, just because they were, they were being so careful with Matt and just taking all those precautions. And I, I was just totally calm. Um, you know, and it was, uh, and a lot of it, like I said, it was the the time I had a chance to be on the field earlier that season and just, you know, and just, you know, the confidence that came from that, you know, it was kind of funny because coach kept coming over to me, you know, with game plan reminders. And I think it was probably a second or third trip over. I finally got to looked at him. I was like, coach, I'm good. <laughs> always <laughs> and, thorough. Uh, Bill's always yeah, thorough. Yes, absolutely. No stone unturned for sure. But, um, but yeah, and obviously it was, uh, the night went well. So it was a you know, really special memory.
1: Yeah, you did play in eight of the, the games that season. So you, you were kind of prepped. Uh, I, I did, uh, I started this season of life of fits with Marty Miller, Matt's brother. And looking back at that, I, you guys wore helmets that seemed closer to the helmet. A little kid would get under the Christmas tree than what kids wear now. It looks like a toy. It looks like it offers almost no protection.
0: It does, absolutely. That's so funny, you know. And it's you know with the boys playing high school football lately, and um, you know I've been around, been around those helmets, and uh, you know just do some of the graduation stuff with like graduation tables and things. Parker was using my old helmet, you know, since he had committed to go play. You know, as, as decorations and stuff, and and the same thing. You know, he he and his friends would look inside that thing and be like, is this actually what you wore?
1: <laughs> it's so <laughs> thank, delightful.
0: Thank goodness the technology's come along.
1: Yeah, uh, no doubt. And and poor Matt Miller, uh, you always Ugh. want a quarterback to stand in the pocket to the last second. He went to like the last fraction of a second on a regular basis and get a throw off, but just get rocked.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, poor poor Buck took his hits. There's no <laughs> doubt. There is no doubt about that. You know, and, and what, what a friend though. I mean, you know, the funniest thing about that whole, you know, if there's anything funny from him taking that hit, um, you know, Matt and I roomed together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we were joking, um, we were joking the night before the game about, you know, Hey, can you <laughs> do what you can, you know, hear my senior year's coming up. He's like, yeah, I'll try to get you in the game. <laughs> You know, Matt, a 28-point yeah. lead would have done this, yeah. right? Not getting <laughs> the know, hell knocked out of you. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, yeah, what what a friend uh, to go through all that to get me <laughs> on the field. What a giver. <laughs>
1: what a giver. Hey, if I recall, though, you, you took over and close to the red zone, in the red zone. I mean, you had good field position, if I'm recalling correctly.
0: Yeah. You know, and I mean, good grief. And if you're going to come into that position, um, I mean, you know, we had the best defense in the country that year too, and they, they were playing lights out. I mean, I literally think I was in the game for four, four plays. And I think we had scored two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, we had a quick score and then we got a turnover. I can't remember if, I mean, Mario, I think had an interception or two in that game. I can't remember if it was a Mario pick in there, but bang, bang. Um, we had, we had a couple quick scores and, uh, know, then the way our defense was flying around, um, we were pretty balanced that night. I mean, yeah, we were running the ball. We were able to throw it. It was just, it was a night where everything was clicking.
1: Yeah, it was awfully fun. I miss the holiday bowl because people, kids nowadays don't realize the holiday bowl was a big time bowl back then. It was absolutely, and it was so well produced. I mean, you guys would go to SeaWorld and do San Diego stuff and the fans loved San Diego and the venue was good for the time. And. And now it's just kind of an afterthought bowl, and I I find that um, uh, just disappointing. I guess is a good word.
0: Yeah, it's sad, you know. And I remember growing up, and if you liked offensive football, that was the bowl game to watch. Right. I mean, because you know, a lot of times you get BYU and you get you know these whack teams, and all these points are scored, and the balls flying around. It was always one of the more enjoyable. uh, Enjoyable bowl games to watch every year. So yeah, and they they did it right, you know. And you know, we were fortunate enough to go to the Cotton Bowl my senior year, and you know, and all the you know the glitz and glamour with the New Year's Day bowl. I mean, the Holiday Bowl did it just as good as the New Year's Day bowls at and, that time.
1: And you had such a good night. You are in the Holiday Bowl Hall of Fame.
0: How about that? Yeah, that's Again, so cool, man.
1: Uh, <laughs> that is just so cool. <laughs> <It's
0: funny. laughs> Yeah, it's probably the only Hall of Fame I'm ever going to be in. I mean, it's really cool when you start looking at, at some of the people in that thing and again, you know, I mean between the Big 8 and the, you know, BYU and some of the, the the people that have played in that game, I mean, it's I'm in a Hall of Fame with like Jim McMahon and Barry Sanders. How cool is that? So No, they're in a Hall of Fame with you. Stuff. No, <laughs> we're going to play that. Hey, okay. Well, I mean, we won't let the facts get in the way of a good story here. But.
1: <laughs> it's it's got to be just something that is somewhat surreal because to that point, you haven't even started a college game, I don't think, and no. and there you are. Yeah, you come in yeah. and it, but you're you're in the Hall of Fame. It it was an amazing performance, brother. It really was incredible.
0: No, oh, thanks. Yeah, it was. it uh, was it was fun stuff. You know, and just timing wise, you know, it was it was pretty pretty nice way to springboard into my senior year too. So it was, the stars definitely aligned with that one.
1: Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Let's go back a little bit, um, and and discuss young Brian Kavanaugh. Before you became a football player, what did Brian Kavanaugh want to do with his life?
0: Oh my gosh! Um...
1: Before the covered wagon took you to Naperville,
0: <laughs> you know I oh goodness I you know growing up my dad uh, my dad built houses. And so he he had a company that did that in the Chicagoland area. So, you know, but we were just, we were really active. I mean, it's nothing like it is now. It's absolutely insane on kids these days with all how busy they are with with all the different activities. But, you know, even back then, um, you know, we stayed pretty busy just doing the sports thing. And, you know, I was always a good student. And, uh, you know, being around my dad and all that, you know, I really probably thought that, you know, I even come in Kansas state. I wasn't going to stay in Kansas. You know, it's so funny. I think everybody from out of state, you know, had the same story. I'm getting the heck out of Kansas after school, you know, and then, you know, for me, uh, you know, yeah, but you kind of fall in love with it, Right. (laughs) So, you know, I remember my first, um, like the first six months in Manhattan. Yeah. I mean, cause Chicago is a little different pace, even out in the suburbs where I grew up and it's just so crowded and everyone's in a hurry. And you know, I got to Manhattan and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's like <laughs> everybody shops slow. They drive slow. They eat slow. They talk slow. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't pick up the pace here. And, you know, a couple of years into my time at K state, I'm going home and I realize that I'm like, you know, I get back to Naperville and I'm like, don't you people ever slow down? Yes. <laughs> so, You know, it's, um, you know, originally I really, you know, the plan was probably, you know, just ride out the football thing and, and go back to Chicago and, 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 you know, really probably do the, you know, kind of take over the construction deal and, and, but you know like i said you know i get to kansas and slows me down and meet a girl from lucas kansas and find out a leash comes with my wedding ring and, and <laughs> here i am man
1: i uh i always joke that kansas is the girl you marry you know you you, yeah. you you end up just falling in love with all the subtle things and appreciate it but then you end up in my hometown of Salina. and um <laughs> i don't know if you've seen my statue uh I, but it's, absolutely it's Terrence Newman's is right next to mine in the shadow yeah. of
0: mine. Yeah, uh, Terrence is a small one next to you. Absolutely. But exactly. <laughs> Why I mean let's keep the priority straight here. Uh but
1: Slina is a great place for kids to grow up. That's the thing I appreciated about Salina was you could get into trouble, but you had to try. And I know that's going yeah. back um, to the seventies and eighties, but still it's a great place to raise kids and you did exactly that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it was kind of uh it, it was a nice middle ground between kind of my background with, you know, what, what I went, you know, saw school wise and things and what my wife did. I mean, cause Jessica, Jessica is a Lucas Luray grad, mm. um, her and the 11 others in her class. Oh yeah.
1: Was she homecoming queen?
0: Don't answer. If the answer's no, don't answer. I've never asked her, Fitz. I I need to ask her that tonight. I I actually don't know the answer to that question. If
1: you you married the runner-up, I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Gosh, gosh. No, no. I'm just really hoping the answer's yes. Um, but, uh, But yeah, I mean, gosh, my high school graduating class was bigger than her hometown. So, um, crazy man. Yeah, it's just nuts. So, yeah, Salina was a nice, a nice compromise between those two. So the kids, the kids had opportunities. Um, you know, and it's just—it's been great. It's just—I uh, mean, it takes a village, and and we've had a pretty good village. You know, around our family and and kids, the years that they've they've been in school here. So it's it's been a huge blessing for us.
1: Um, now I texted uh, our mutual friend Darren Newshafer, before doing this, and uh, he said, "Rumor on the street is you're the third best quarterback in the family." Would you like to respond? I
0: mean- <laughs> I mean, Darren's been, Darren's seen all three. So, I mean, there's probably some truth in that, <laughs> actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's been fun because, you know, Darren, uh, Darren will do a lot of the radio games for Salina Central yeah. where the kids have been. And, um, yeah, you know, in Jackson and Parker were so much fun to watch. It's, um, you know, and for sure, they they were both better than me and I, as high school players, without a doubt. Um
1: yeah, it's uh I don't think so. Schaefer is a source on any of this. Let's see now.
0: <laughs>
1: let's see now. Um, but I as a quarterback though, uh, when you look back as just a fan looking back over the history of Bill Snyder football, you had Chad May come in and and really mm-hmm. he was he was a guy that kind of help the program take the next step. But he was more of a pocket guy. Yep. Yeah, sure, he ran the option. You you all did for Bill Snyder once in a while. But that was kind of like a, a little trick play almost. You just run it down the goal line or always catch the defense off off guard. Matt comes in, and he's a little bit more the dual threat guy because um, mm-hmm. he, he he liked to run around like a chicken without his head. And uh, <laughs> that I don't know if that necessarily was a compliment. To, to how Matt ran the ball, but uh, he was a little bit more mobile. You were kind of a more pocket guy, um, and even though that that ninety sixteen was tremendous, tremendous, and uh, you had a lot of success, but soon after that, here comes Michael Bishop, ironically playing his first game at Northern Illinois. Um, yeah, Kansas State went up there, but and and from that day on, the way Bill Snyder approached offensive football evolved, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it did without a doubt. Um, and, and you, you're totally right. And, you know, back to Chad, you know, Chad and I were more similar style wise, Matt, Matt had the ability to scoot around a little bit, um, which was probably, you know, part of the reason he took so many shots at times. Um, but you know, then it, And it did change. You know, there was always enough quarterback run stuff in. I mean, I say keep defenses honest. I mean, it was like with me, for example, it was really, really strategic. You know, like you said, it was short yardage. It was red zone there was a couple, maybe Q draws that I ran in my time. You know, we did the speed option stuff just because it puts the defense in a pickle and you don't have to be a great athlete to make that, you know, a D one dual threat quarterback to make that read. So, you know, Chad and I both did that, but yeah, then, you know, when Michael comes in, I mean, gosh, I mean, think about it really, it's kind of revolutionized how, quarterback play has been since because how many guys just true drop back guys do you see anymore um i mean they're out there a little bit but you know even if you're a pro style quarterback they want you to be able to do the read zone stuff and keep defenses honest and all those things and i mean and it makes sense right because essentially calling offensive plays has always been a counting game Right. And if you out if you outnumber the defense, that's a good play. I mean, you know, even way back to when we had the the freedom under in Coach Snyder's offense to audible any play. Essentially, it was a counting thing. You know, if they had more in the box than we can, you know, block, we're going to throw it. Um, if we can block it, we're going to run it. But you know, now with that Q run stuff, you know, you you essentially pick up a blocker because you have some de- you know some defender in a conflict position where if you make the right read. He's accounted for. So it's it's totally changed the game of football.
1: The brilliance of Bill Snyder was the simplicity that he approached it with. You just count the box, yeah. just count the box. Yeah. And we're gonna run or throw it. It's gotten a little more complex as times have gone on. I, defensive had you know responded and they, they're a little bit more um, they hide things a little bit more. But yeah, absolutely. It was uh It was incredible to watch what he did to college football and now pro football as we see more dual threat at that level. Um, You change the numbers game. When you don't take the quarterback out of the mix after he hands the ball off, it changes everything. And that's why he'd run that speed option, even with you or Chad May. I remember Chad Chad May running it was just comical, just so funny.
0: (laughs) I mean, neither one of us were pretty doing it, let's be honest, right? (laughs) You kind of look like a stork pitching the ball. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, I can see that, but um, yeah, but um, Mike gosh.
1: comes in, and you know, before that, you, you were an option quarterback. You were a guy at Nebraska or Oklahoma that just ran the option, and you yeah. might throw it almost like we see the academies throw it now, just as a changeup. Yeah, but Mike came in, and he was really a throwing quarterback. Oh, by the way, who could run, and that changed everything in the college game. It's really yeah, cool I mean, to I, think I, that you were part of all of that metamorphosis.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and here's a funny story for you. So, um so we're up watching film one night in Coach Hudson's office. That was uh, I think it was Kevin Lockett and I. And uh, you know, the old days of VHS tape. So so Coach Hud's got, <laughs> got this stack of tapes on his desk and he goes, "Hey, throw this tape in and and look at this quarterback and see if he's worth calling." <laughs> well, so it, it's Blinn Junior College videotape. Yeah. And, uh, so, so we throw this tape in and and it's Michael and, uh, you know, within about two minutes, he's done some very Michael like things. And, and Kevin and I just looked at coach and we're like, yeah, coach, you want to, you might want to make that call.
1: (laughs) Everyone wanted him as a safety. They
0: wanted him as a yeah.
1: running back. They didn't want him to be their quarterback, and I still yeah. look back at that. And, look, I, I love Michael, but he wasn't known as the cerebral guy. I mean, he had he had a tight end calling his audibles most of the time. So, look, we, we know what's going on here. Yes. People are like, why is the tight end standing up? Because he's, he's reading yeah. the defense. That's what he's yeah. doing right now. He's oh making the audible gosh. call. But, my God, post-snap, I've never seen anything yeah. like him, and I'll probably never see anything like him in the future.
0: No, no, he was he was absolutely something else. Yeah. You know, and, and let's be honest. I mean, he would have been a great safety, a great running back. He would have been a great football player in any of those positions. No one had seen a quarterback used like that yet. And, you know, just the I mean, just for coach to imagine that and what it could be. I mean, good grief. And obviously, uh, obviously it worked pretty darn well.
1: Yeah, it did. It worked really well, and and it went as the prototype for so many years. But now the game's changed, and I see some yep. schools going back to a little bit more, you know, power running uh, offenses because everyone, they spread the field and want to throw it, so all the defenses got smaller, and now teams are running at them. Yep. I, I feel like the old man here, well, I am, like watching the evolution of football, kind of like fashion that's out. Oh, it's back in, it's out, it's back in, you know, it's, it's just amazing to watch college football and how it's changed.
0: Yeah. Isn't that the truth? No, and you're absolutely right. Because you know, everything, everything morphs. you know, and the offenses and defenses adapt to, to be able to, you know, uh, do well against what the other side's having success with at that point. So, so yeah, there's going to constantly be, be an ebb and flow. But, you know, I think, you know, gosh, you know, these days as a quarterback, if you, if you have the ability to do both, I mean, you're just, you're so, you're so dangerous. Um, you know, in that way, you know, I mean, what do you prepare for, you know, as a defense, um, you know, and if, if a kid can drop back, and be effective doing that and can throw on the run and can throw the RPO game. And then all of a sudden he's nifty enough with his feet to, to make a defense respect that that becomes a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what quarterbacks have to be now. I mean, Skylar Thompson is a thrower first, but he could tuck it and run. Will Howard can tuck it and run. And Oh, absolutely. And uh, when they take off, you, you know, you're in trouble if they've got, Space, Yeah. Uh, does Parker Absolutely. kind of fit that? What, what he can do? I've never seen him play.
0: Yeah, no, um, Parker's, uh, you know, he's, he's essentially, he, he's me, but athletic. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if we're going to call it balls and strikes, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the best the best breakdown I can give you. Yeah. You know, I mean, Parker is, is he a true dual threat? You know, I think if you're a true dual threat, you know, kid at that level of football at Kansas state, you know, you're probably the best athlete on the field every Friday night in high school. Um, You know, so was that Parker? No, but he's, he's a kid, you know, he's a, a very athletic pro style. I, I think is probably how I would describe him. Um, I mean, he's one of the fastest kids in our team. And uh, so he's, he's definitely, he's dangerous enough with his feet that, that teams had to respect him through high school. And, uh, you know, and, and there was, there was Fridays where, where he just gashed teams. Um, so, you know, he's, He's definitely, like I said, you know, can throw it, but definitely more athletic than uh, than Dad was.
1: So, did the speed come from Mom's side of the family?
0: It must have, man. That's it must have. <laughs> I don't quite understand that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, same with Jackson. Jackson's way more athletic than me too. So, you know, again, thank thank goodness for Mom's half of the gene pool, right? Exactly.
1: Is that? that I mean. Moms do virtually everything good. She's given uh, the athletic genes to the, the, the son of the college football player. <laughs> I like it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, I, like I, it. I do want to talk about this the loss of Matt Miller and, and, yeah. and just how awful. Awful it's been uh, for the K State football family because Bucky went through a lot and probably as he told me um, in his final years probably the concussions played a role in that and pro- with everything he went through with emotional and the, and substance <clears throat> and all that but uh, to have after beating all that to have cancer get you is just unfathomable to me.
0: No. And, you know, and the whole thing just seems so surreal. Um, you know, it just, it still doesn't seem real that he's gone. You know, I know the day that I found out, I heard, I heard about it and I I just, I couldn't even process it. I'm like, it it can, that can't be, um, you know, and obviously catching it late and and the horrible struggle he went through, it was, it was an uphill battle from, from the get go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just absolutely horrible, you know, and as you know, right, you know, and thank goodness your, your battle's been more successful, but cancer sucks and it's everybody, it's touched everybody's life, but to see somebody, you know, as young and full of life as, as Matt go through this and then to lose him to it, it's still, it, it's just awful.
1: Well, it, it's. Incredible to me because he died before the age when doctors want to even start testing for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and that just set off alarm bells that a otherwise fairly healthy guy got devoured by cancer. And, and honestly, I was probably three months away if we hadn't caught it when we did from the exact same thing, because by oh, yeah. the time they caught it it not only had spread like mine, but it was in his bones and his lymph node. It was yeah. When he told me about his situation, I said, Matt, uh, and he goes, I know, I know. <laughs> and, Oops. but boy, he fought like a son of a bitch, man. He fought so hard. It was, it, uh, I just, uh, everything he accomplished else in life, the way he fought that cancer is just, uh, just incredible to me. Just yeah. so brave.
0: No, without a doubt. I mean, and and he's, I mean, he's he's an inspiration in so many ways. Um, you know, and just just his love of life and how optimistic and positive he was. The end. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and and to be like that pre cancer is one thing, but to be like that with the struggles that he was going through is a completely different thing. And I mean, it's a special person. Um, to be able to attack that like that and. But you know it's, and, but I mean Matt's a special person, you know, and just evidenced by the fact at all of the love and support that surrounded that man, you know, towards the end, um, you know, it's uh, it's just living proof that you know how special of a guy he was.
1: Yep, I uh, I learned a couple lessons from my journey. One, I was determined to educate men on the PSA score and prostate cancer. Cause we don't talk about it. I mean, it involves yep. a lot of topics we just don't want to discuss. And so I'm going to be an open book about it and, and, and make jokes about it and try to get guys a little more comfortable, but just go to the damn doctor at, at the end of the day. That's really what it's about. It's not about getting tested for prostate cancer, it's about we don't go to the doctor enough, which is absolutely um, uh, you know, as I, I've talked to a lot of farmers that, you know, in their seventies and still working, but now they have advanced prostate cancer. Well, I hadn't been to the doctor in 30 years. I mean, it's just, it's that's, again, that's part of the Kansas rural thing too. We're we're tougher than that. We don't need a doctor, but you're not tougher than cancer. Yeah. The other lesson I've learned is don't be shy to tell your friends and everyone else that, you know, means something to you that you love them because the last words I ever said to Matt Miller was, I love you, brother.
0: Yeah, no, without a doubt, you know, and I think it's, um, you know, unfortunately it takes these awful reminders to kind of, you know, <laughs> shake us all back to reality a little bit. And you never truly know. Yeah. Um, you just don't know. Um, you know, and the most precious gift, gift of all is time and time with the people that you love and just don't waste and squander any of it. Um, so no, I, I, 100% agree with you on, on all fronts on everything you just said. And actually at my last physical, I asked them to run a PSA just simply hearing you, hearing you talk about it. Um, so, so yeah, without a doubt, it's just, I mean, just because you never do know, and, and the worst patients in the world are males, right? <laughs> we're, we're terrible. Um, because you know, it's just, we put our head down and now oh, it's going to go away you know, even, even if you have symptoms, Oh, that'll pass. Um, you just don't know. So why not do everything you can to make sure.
1: Are you going to make it to some of his memorials here in July?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that Thursday, um, in Manhattan, right. Um, I'm planning on being back for that. Yeah. And then, then I'll be able to, uh, to be around for, you know, Wolf Snowstone stuff as well. Um, yeah one of the benefits to being an empty nester again you know those are the types of things a lot of times i've missed over the past (laughs) past a lot of years because you know summers have always been baseball softball chasing kids all over the midwest doing things and going through withdrawal with that stuff a little bit it was just so much fun to to watch them do the things they enjoyed doing but but yeah so it's a new stage more time and um and I think my wife's realizing, "Wow, you're going to be around the house a lot, so by all means, go do these things."
1: <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they really just don't want you around, and that's how. That's a, a secret to a good marriage: is just don't don't bug your
0: wife. Uh, oh my gosh, it's so funny, you yeah, know. And she usually prefaces things with, "Yeah, I, I love you, but yeah." Uh. I'm like, oh, I get it. I mean, yeah, i I lived with me for 49 years. I mean, small <laughs> doses are good sometimes.
1: And plus, now that you're an empty nester, when you come back, you can tear up Aggieville and you've got a designated driver who has to come pick up dad.
0: See, this This is true. I like the way you think. I know. Well, I didn't have kids. Actually, I need to so. get you his phone number. I mean, you have a designated driver now, too.
1: Well, that'd be great. I'm sure Chris Kleiman would, it would love me calling one of his quarterbacks to pick up my <laughs> drunk ass out of Aggieville. That'll work great. That'll really endear <laughs> me to the coaches. Oh my gosh. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, brother. It's so good to talk to you. And I, I look forward to seeing you on, uh, on the 7th, J- July 7th, when people converge on Manhattan for Matt's Memorial. And like you said, all the stuff that uh, is going on with no stone unturned and, um, what a cool organization that is
0: yeah no absolutely it's just it's you know it's it's one of those things I, I wish i could have supported it more but you know it's 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 to the time now where i can so i'm just thrilled to be back and it's always it's grown and grown so i i can't wait to see how it's been oh gosh probably seven or eight years i think since i've been able to be back to that and i keep hearing about how much it's grown so yeah i can't wait to see what what no stone look looks like these days
1: gav it's been great man i appreciate you being part of this and uh um, I, I look forward to seeing you in person.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks here, man. Thanks so much, Yeah,
1: yeah I love you, brother.
0: Good talking Yeah, I love you too, man. Take care. Okay, bye.
1: And that is why I do this podcast. That was a blast. That was great. A little football, a little life, a little bit of everything in that edition. Boy, Brian Kavanaugh really showed up as a player. His journey to being the starting quarterback at K-State was a little unconventional. He was always kind of thought of maybe as the backup, but boy, he came in at that Holiday Bowl and was a superstar and then just put together an incredibly solid, productive season in 1996. You know what? I forgot to ask him. That was the first year of the Big 12. He came to K-State 30-plus years ago. Incredible. But then he's been part of the Big 12 since the very start, the very first season. He was a starting quarterback in the new conference. Absolutely a delight to talk to Brian, and I can't wait to see him when he comes to Manhattan on July 7th for Matt Miller's memorial. But Brian pointed it out, guys. I say it at the end of every podcast. Please, go get your PSA scored. It is the best tool in finding out if there's something wrong with your prostate as early as possible. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you real soon Take care, everyone.
0: Greetings, fantasy warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy
1: dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy.
0: If, If I was Adam with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense.
1: And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover
0: hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Hukunuku. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to
1: FFT Dynasty now and together we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.